And if we could, with the Lord's help, and the Lord's enabling this morning, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read, the book of Psalms, Psalm 62. And if you read again, just at the beginning, <clears throat> a Psalm of David, for God alone my soul waits in silence, from him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And also the verses of verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. But particularly the words, he only. He only. Before I became a Christian and before I committed my life uh, to Jesus Christ, I used to love listening to the testimonies of other Christians. I used to love hearing uh, Christians share of uh, their experience of how they came to know and love the Lord. And I would hear these testimonies in church fellowships or in the YM on a Sunday evening. And every Christian would speak about how uh, they came to know Jesus as their personal saviour. And they would talk about what brought them to that point. And how they felt. And uh, what they were going through at the time. And even what they did in seeking the Lord. And asking him uh, to become their saviour. In which they would see their sin. And then they would cry out to the Lord for salvation. But you know, it was listening to all these testimonies of different Christians. No two are, are the same. Uh, but they all testified to their love for Jesus because of his salvation through his death on the cross. And I was listening to them that made me realize that I would love to have a testimony of my own. I would listen to others and think, well, I'd love to be able to tell people of how the Lord worked in my life and how he saved me. I wanted to have a story to tell others, just like the words we were singing in Psalm 40, that I had been taken from a fearful pit and from a miry clay, and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. And thankfully, well, the Lord answered that request. He gave me a story to tell of how he worked in my life. And he's given every Christian a story to tell. And it's a good story to tell. And it's good to tell that story. It's good to tell our testimony. It's good to testify and share of how the Lord has come into our life. Because the Bible tells us that we are to believe with our heart and we are to confess with our mouth. And we're always to be ready to give an answer for the reason for the hope that is within us. But a testimony, it's not just a one-off event. It doesn't just end at the point of conversion or the point when you profess your faith. A testimony is ongoing. It's daily, because we're always testifying to the work of Jesus Christ in our life each and every day. A testimony is not just about glorying in what we were in the past and what we did and what we got up to, but a testimony is all about testifying to the wonder-working power of Jesus in saving sinners. And yes, it's good to tell people what we were saved from, but you know, it's always better to point people to the one 
who saved us from it. And you know, that's what David does here in Psalm 62. He points us to Jesus. And David tells us his personal testimony of how the Lord worked in his life. And we can see that it's his personal experience from the repetition of all the the personal pronouns throughout this short psalm of only 12 verses. He repeats the word again and again, my, my soul, my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my glory, my refuge, my mighty rock. And with every personal pronoun, every my, David is emphasizing that this person, this Jesus, he belongs to him. It's a personal testimony. And you know, there's no denying it that salvation, it's a, it's a very personal thing. Because when the Lord is, is working in our life and he's speaking to us through his word or through preaching or through testimonies or, or through other Christians, it's very personal. And we don't want to tell anyone what's going on in our heart. We don't want to disclose to others, even those closest to us. We don't want to tell them what we're thinking and feeling about Jesus Christ. But you know, there always comes a point where those thoughts and feelings, they have to come to the fore. They can't stay hidden forever. Because the Lord brings us to a point in our lives where we can't hide our love for him any longer. And we too, we have to come forward and we have to confess with David and with every other Christian. He only my salvation is. And my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. He only. That's what David testifies to us in Psalm 62. He only. He only. But in order to study this psalm more closely, uh, you'll see that Within these 12 verses, uh, they've been helpfully divided into three sections uh, using the word selah. It's at the end of verse 4 and the end of verse 8. And the word selah, it means to to exalt or to praise. And it's there in the Psalms to, to stop us and point us to stop and consider what is just being said. And so when we see the word selah, David is asking us to, to consider his testimony. David's asking us to remember his testimony because his heart's desire is to direct us to Jesus, the one who gave him that testimony. And so we can look at this psalm under the three headings, uh, the three headings, the reality of David's testimony, the response to David's testimony, and the reason for David's testimony. So if we look first of all at the reality of David's testimony. The reality of David's testimony. He says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths. But inwardly they curse. Selah. Now, I'm sure that I've mentioned to you before um, that this year, 2017, it marks the 500th year or the 500th anniversary uh, since the beginning of uh, the Reformation throughout Europe. Because it was in 1517 that Martin Luther, he nailed his 95 theses to the church door in, in Wittenberg in Germany. 
And, and that started, or that started the move of the Reformation, in which he stated his opposition to what was being advocated by the Roman Catholic Church. But the birth of the Reformation, it was a reformation. It was a, a reformation of the church and its doctrine back to the teaching of the early church, back to the Bible. And as many of you know, there were five statements from the Reformation which asserted the truths of Scripture and salvation. And they were the five solas. They were sola scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola Christos, Christ alone. Sola Deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. And what these principles emphasized was that there were to be no additives, no extras to our salvation. Because salvation isn't to be based upon scripture plus tradition, but scripture alone. Salvation isn't to be placed or based upon grace plus works, but grace alone. It's not faith plus penance or, or different types of things, but faith alone. Salvation isn't to be based upon Christ plus the Pope or Mary or, or the church or the priests, but Christ alone. And salvation isn't to be based upon God's glory plus man's glory, but it's all to the glory of God alone. And so salvation is to be found in Scripture alone. It's to be experienced by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And that's what David is emphasizing here in his testimony. That his salvation and the work of God in his life is not because of tradition or works or penance or people, but God alone. And that's how he begins his testimony. He begins with the words, God alone. God alone. He only. He only. And this phrase, it's repeated again and again throughout the psalm. God alone. He only. And I suppose you could say that in the words of the Apostle John, David is emphasizing that his salvation and the fact that he's a child of God, it's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but of God. It's all of grace. It's all of, all of God. He only. He only. God alone. For God alone, he says, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. But you know, we have to be clear. That when David testifies that he will not be greatly shaken. He doesn't mean that as a, as a Christian his life was, was perfect and plain sailing. He doesn't mean that as a Christian he was flawless and he didn't make mistakes. And he didn't faint and fail. Not at all. Because if we know anything about David's life. It's that his life was far from perfect. Even though he's revealed to us in the Bible as the man after God's own heart. David's heart was still deceitful. And on occasion it was desperately wicked. Because when you read the history of David's life. God, as you know, graciously exalted him to be from the, being a shepherd in Israel to being king in Israel. He was king over God's people. He brought peace from all the wars from the surrounding nations. He made Jerusalem this 
great city of God. And he put plans to build the temple in place. But David's life, it was overshadowed by his many failings. His adultery with Bathsheba, his lies and deceit, his murder of Uriah's, uh, murder of Uriah, who was Bathsheba's husband. And his many wives and his many family problems and his wayward children, all these, these things, they overshadowed his life. And yet, despite all the high points and all, all the low points, despite the many shakes, despite the many heartaches, the mess that he got himself into, despite the sinfulness of his own heart, David could still testify to God's grace, God's mercy, God's cleansing, God's faithfulness, and God's goodness. And David's testimony remained the same. He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not move to be. But you know, as we see in verses 3 and 4, David's testimony, it was questioned and undermined by those around him. They took a look at his faith, And the conduct of his life as a Christian, uh, they saw it as weak and unstable. They look at him and they say he's like a leaning wall ready to collapse. He's like this tottering fence that has no foundation whatsoever and it will just fall over at the slightest push. And they say about David that his lifestyle, it's double-minded. It's unstable. It's contradictory. It's unbiblical. It's inconsistent. It's hypocrisy. And David confesses that Well, the world looks at him and they may not say it outwardly, but they confess in their heart. They confess that, well, if that's what a Christian is and if that's what a Christian does, I don't want anything to do with it. And you know, there are many people who say the same today. They promote their own self-sufficiency and their self-reliance and they claim that They don't need God as a crutch in their lives. Especially a God who would allow uh, bad things to happen to good people. And a God who would send good people to hell. What kind of God is that if there is a God at all? And they don't want anything to do with church because it's full of liars and full of hypocrites and full of gossips. And you know, I have to agree with them. The church is full of liars, full of hypocrites. Full of gossips. The church is full of unstable and inconsistent and unbiblical people. The church is full of people who are sinful, deceitful and selfish. The church is full of people who are broken, hurting and desperate. But you know what makes the church of Jesus Christ so beautiful? Is that the role of the church and the testimony of the Christian isn't to promote their self-confidence and confess their self-sufficiency and their self-reliance. The role of the church and the testimony of the Christian is to say, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. We, we can't hold it together. We haven't got it all together. We aren't perfect. We make mistakes. We aren't squeaky clean. We aren't strong. We don't know it all. My friend, the church is not a museum of good people. It's a hospital for the broken. And the truth is, we are all broken people living broken lives in a broken world. But we worship and we testify to the grace and the mercy of a great physician and healer, Jesus Christ. 
And despite what the world has to say about him and his people and his church, the Christian will still continue to testify with confidence. He only my salvation is. And my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not move to be. He only. He only. He only. And so that's the reality of David's testimony. That it was the Lord alone who saved him. But in this second section we can see the response to David's testimony. The response to David's testimony. Look at verse 5. He says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And so as David continues to tell his testimony, he reaffirms that salvation is to be only found in Jesus Christ. And we can see that from the repetition of verses 1 and 2, and they're repeated in verses 5 and 6, in which David is saying, He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. And in these words, David reveals to us, you could say, the anatomy of his soul. He's telling us that his soul is full to overflowing with Jesus. Jesus is resident and abiding in his soul. And we can see that from all the metaphors that David uses to emphasize what Jesus means to him. He says that Jesus, he's my hope. Jesus is my rock. Jesus is my salvation. He's my glory. He's my mighty rock. He's my refuge. Jesus, he's saying, is my everything. He's my all in all. He's mine. He's mine and I am his. And what David is telling us is that his salvation, it's personal. It's individual. It's almost private. Where Jesus has met with him personally. Jesus has spoken to him through his word personally. Jesus has dealt with him and his sin personally. Jesus has brought him to know his love and his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace personally. And when Jesus does that, there is nothing and there is no one in this world that will ever be able to take it from you. Because you know, Christianity, it's not a religion based upon outward forms and fashions, filled with do's and, and don'ts. It's not about slavery and subordination. That's not Christianity. That's not what it means to be a Christian. No, David is reminding us that being a Christian, it's, it's far more than that. It's far deeper than that. It's far more personal than that. Because faith in Jesus Christ, it's not a, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with a living person. A living person who speaks to us through his living word. And that we can speak to him at any time, anywhere, any hour of the day. Because he ever lives to make intercession for us. But you know, the testimony of David is that his soul, it's not only full of Jesus, but his unwavering hope is that his soul is anchored to the rock that is Jesus Christ. It was the hymn writer, I'm sure you've heard of it, where he said, we have an anchor that keeps 
the soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. And that's what David is testifying here. That Jesus is the rock of his salvation. Because on three occasions in this psalm, this short psalm, David refers to Jesus as his rock or his, his mighty rock. And this metaphor of Jesus as the rock, it's common, quite common throughout the psalms. Our opening item of praise, we were invited to come and sing and make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We mentioned in Psalm 40 that the psalmist, which is David, he confesses, he took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. And even in the the previous psalm, Psalm 61, the psalmist is saying, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to him. And with all these examples, we can see that Jesus is the rock. And as a rock, he is stable He is secure. Because trusting in Jesus is not as the world perceives it. Like a leaning wall. Tottering fence. Ready to fall over. Trusting in Jesus provides a firm foundation in life and in death. Trusting in Jesus provides a solid and secure basis. That is infinite, eternal and unchangeable. Trusting in Jesus provides a hope that's is not swayed and swung by all the changing fashions of the age. He is one who remains the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And David's testimony, it's that Jesus Christ is the rock of his salvation. And that testimony, do you know, it was the same testimony as the Apostle Peter. The same testimony. You remember when Jesus was walking with his disciples and he was talking with them and and asking them, what is the popular opinion about his identity? He said to them, who do people say that I am? And the disciples, well, they explained the popular opinions of Jesus and they said, well, some claim that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're one of the prophets. And it's at that point that Jesus turns to his disciples and he asks them personally and directly, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's at that point that Peter steps forward to testify to his faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. You are the Christ. And it's then that Jesus affirms Peter's faith when he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Says Jesus, you are Peter. And as we were saying to the children, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On this rock I will build my church. But we have to be clear. The rock upon which Jesus was going to build his church, it wasn't the apostle Peter. Peter wasn't the rock. Peter wasn't the first pope, as the the Roman Catholic Church claims. The rock was Peter's confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The rock was Peter's testimony that Jesus is the only way of salvation. 
The rock was this great testimony of Peter that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus affirms that it will be upon that rock, the confession of the Christian, it will be upon that rock that the church of Jesus Christ will be built. And it will be upon that testimony that Jesus is the only way to be saved. It will be upon that testimony that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And my friend, that's why the church will stand. That's why the message of the gospel, as we were saying to the children, is unstoppable. Despite all the opposition, all the, the criticism, all the condemnation of the world, the church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. The gates of hell will not prevail because the Lord will, will have his people. And they will continue to testify until their dying breath that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. My friend, the confession and the testimony of the Christian, it has been the rock, it is the rock, and it will remain the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ will be continually built. So long as the way of salvation through Jesus Christ is proclaimed and confessed, the church will stand. She will not be like the leaning wall or the tottering fence. And it will stand because it's his church. It's not our church. It's not the church of man. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And my friend, far better for you to stand on this rock than be overcome by the powers of hell. Far better for you to confess the name of Christ like Peter and all the disciples than to go along with public opinion. Far better for you to testify as a Christian that he only my salvation is. And my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. Far better for you to confess he only. He only. And you know, when I consider our need to testify that Jesus is our rock and that we are clinging to him, it reminds me of that beautiful illustration I heard before of what happens when an eagle dies. Maybe I've told you this before. That it said that when an eagle is nearing the end of its life, they say it has some sort of premonition that it's not going to live for much longer. And the eagle knows its life has come to its end. And so it said that early in the morning as the sun is, is rising, for one last time the eagle would put its nest in order. And its nest would be hidden in the cliffs in this high rock face in the mountain. And once its nest is in order, the eagle would just tip out of the nest and fall. And it would begin to descend downwards as you would expect downwards rapidly towards the ground falling towards the ground but just as it's about to hit the ground or just from it it would open its wings and begin to soar for one last time and it would climb and climb and climb higher and higher and keep on rising keep on rising higher and higher until it reached the top of the cliff and it, then the eagle would place its talons on the top of the rock, grasping the rock, 
And it would look to the rising sun. And then die. And you know it's a beautiful picture of the testimony of a Christian. That in life and in death. A Christian is clinging to the rock. And looking to the sun. They are clinging to the rock of salvation. And looking to the son of God. Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful picture of the hope. That the Christian has. Both in life and in death. And my friend. What better testimony to have. What better confession to make. What better thing to say to those around you. That you are clinging to the rock. And you are looking to the sun. And what we see here is that David, he testifies to that. That he is clinging to Jesus, the rock of his salvation. And he's looking to the sun. And as he does so, as he testifies here, he urges everyone around him to do the same. Because he says in verse 8, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. By telling his testimony and by testifying that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. David's longing. His longing is that we will respond to what he's saying by putting our trust in Jesus. David's longing is that we too will cling to the rock and look to the sun. David's longing is that we will put our hope and our trust That we will pour out our heart to Jesus. And see that he is our only source of comfort and refuge. He is a refuge for us, he says. He's a refuge for us. And as David goes on to explain in the final section of this psalm. He says, there's no one else to lean upon. There's no one else. There's nothing else we can trust in. Nothing else apart from this Jesus. And David wants us to respond. He wants us to respond to what we've heard. And confess with him. He only my salvation is. And my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. And so we have the reality of David's testimony. That it was the Lord alone who saved him. We have the response to David's testimony. David wants us to respond by trusting in Jesus. And confessing. That he is the only way of salvation. But lastly David gives to us the reason for his testimony. The reason for his testimony. He says in verse 9. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are but a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken. Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. David concludes his testimony by applying all that he has said to us. Because from the outset, David has testified to us that Jesus is the only way of salvation. He's spoken personally by emphasizing that Jesus is his hope, his rock, his salvation, his glory, his refuge. And that we are to put our trust in him and pour out our heart before him. And having testified to the love of Jesus, David now wants to ask us, 
Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? That's what he's asking us. Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? And David says, don't put your trust in the things that are temporal and transient. Don't put your trust in the things that will not last. Don't put your trust in yourself, your wife, your husband, your children, your finance, your looks, your health, your house, your job, your friends. Don't set your heart on them. Because your life, he says, but a vapour. Just a vapour. It passes so quickly. And your riches and your wealth, they're a delusion. Because you leave it all behind you. And for that reason, David is saying to us, pour out your heart to Jesus. Because he only, he only can be your salvation and your strong rock. Don't put your trust in things that, that will not last. Don't put your trust in these things. And, you know, David is giving the same advice that Jesus gave. Jesus says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't do it. Because on earth, the moth and the rust doth corrupt and the thieves they break in, break in and steal. But he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because in heaven, the moth, the rust, the thieves, they can't get near it. They can't get near it. And Jesus, he asks in the Sermon on the Mount, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? David is asking us, where is your heart in relation to Jesus? Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? Is Jesus everything to you? Is Jesus something to you? Just the Sunday something. Or is he nothing to you? Nothing to you. Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? Where is it? But then David concludes by saying something very interesting. He says, God has spoken once. God has spoken once. Implying that the word of God never changes. It doesn't alter. It's, it's inerrant and infallible. And through that word, God has spoken. But through preachers, through providence, through people, God has spoken many times. Many times. And the message we hear from God's unchanging word is that we live in a world full of change. A world full of decay, deterioration and death. And we hear the unchanging God speak through his unchanging word and we hear him saying to us that Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And David is saying to us that this is the reason for telling his testimony. This is what he's cling, clinging to. This is the reason he's telling us today. That Jesus is the only way of salvation. Because this message. It's worth listening to. This message. It's worth responding to. This message. It's worth living for. Because this message. Is a message of God's love. For us. And David is saying, you need to make this testimony your testimony. 
He only my salvation is. And my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defence. I shall not moved be. And you know, for those of you who are unconverted, who don't testify the same as David yet, how do you cope with life without Jesus? How do you cope? How do you manage when life takes an unexpected turn? How do you keep going when things don't go the way you had planned? How do you cope in your life without Jesus? Because the testimony of David and the testimony of every Christian is that without him we can do nothing. But with him all things are possible. And you know that isn't... Uh, this idea of inward strength or having the positive mindset or focusing upon something to forget the other thing that's, that's causing us trouble. It's confessing in the Lord's strength. It's all of the Lord. And you know, that was the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Paul had been through many things in his life. He was imprisoned and beaten and shipwrecked and robbed and threatened. He was hungry and thirsty and he had many other things. And yet, when Paul tells his testimony to the people of Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, he tells them the secret of getting through life. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, he says, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. I have learned in whatever situation I am in, he says, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And Paul says that the secret of getting through life, of coping with what life throws at us, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My friend, that's David's testimony. That's Paul's testimony. That's the testimony of every Christian, past and present. That's what enables every Christian to live life and go to work and witness to our family and our friends and our work colleagues. It's not of themselves. I can do all things through Christ. Their testimony is He only. He only. He only. That's the testimony. My friend, my longing, my desire, the desire for those in your home, your family, those around you, is that you too will make the same confession that David made. And confess the confession of the Christian. He only my salvation is. And my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defence. I shall not moved be. May that be your confession. Both in life and in death. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord our gracious God. We give thanks for the testimony of thy people. That even though they lived long ago. 
in a different day and in a different generation, that they are still testifying to the same Christ, the Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And help us, Lord, we pray here in the here and now to see the wonder of who Jesus is, that he still remains the same yesterday, today and forever, that he is still faithful to us, that he has never left us, and that he promises to us, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Oh, bless us, Lord, we pray. Help us to confess every day that he only is our salvation. For, Lord, without thee we can do nothing, but with thee all things are possible. Bless us then, we pray. Go before us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing in that same psalm, Psalm 62. Psalm 62, page 294 in the Scottish Psalter. We're singing from verse 5 down to the verse marked 8. Psalm 62 from verse 5. My soul wait thou with patience upon thy God alone. On him dependeth all my hope and expectation. He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defence. I shall not move to be. Down to the verse marked 8. To God's praise. My soul with
Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.